Morning. Really great to be with you this morning, even if I am recording this on Wednesday morning. Strange times indeed. Um, I know a good number of you at Ebby, but just a brief introduction might be helpful. Um, my name is Andy Street. Um, I live with my wife Marion in LA. That's the one just outside Bristol, Long Ashton. Um, we're originally from London, um, but we've moved uh, to Bristol about 40 years ago. Uh, I trained as a civil engineer, uh, got involved in environmental consultancy about 25 years ago, but I now work part-time. For the last 13 or 14 years, I've gradually backed away from work and, and got more and more involved in local charity, local social enterprise uh, and social investment. Uh, I now work one and a half days a week and the rest of the time focusing on the city of Bristol, seeking to support the church to engage more strategically in city life. I've got two grown up children and four amazing grandchildren. Um, and over the last 40 years, I've really grown to love this city uh, and much, much more importantly, God loves it too. This is an amazing city. In lots of ways, hugely successful, but that's set alongside significant social need in areas of high deprivation. In recent years, I've sensed an increasing call from God for the church to be more strategic in the way that we work together to address some of the key needs out there across the city. And in so doing, to share God's heart of love. It's a biblical imperative. It's not an optional extra. Old Testament and new, the call to reach out to the marginalized and needy in society is there right at the center. At the start of his ministry, you read in Luke 4 that Jesus himself put a very clear marker down by standing up in the temple and reading, from the scroll of Isaiah. This is what he said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And if it was centrally important for Jesus, it has to be central to all that we do too. And when I looked at your own church website, I was encouraged to see that it's important for you too. Under the part headed transform, it says this, we partner with others. We actively engage with our communities, our city and our world to show Jesus's love and tackle issues of injustice. Absolutely brilliant. But what does that look like in a COVID-19 world? You know, life is certainly very different at the moment. It's really tough out there. Thousands of lives have already been lost. And even though the numbers now are way down from what they were two to three months ago, each life lost to COVID is a human tragedy, impacting on the lives of so many others. And sadly, the numbers are starting to creep up again. And for many, there's perhaps a sense of dread again as we go into autumn and winter. Alongside this, the economy has been ripped apart with huge and growing social need. Life as normal, whatever that means, seems a distant memory. We've developed a new vocabulary, lockdown, social distancing, self-isolating, herd immunity, flattening the curve, second wave, new normal. Back in early March, we'd never used terms like these before, but now they're in everyday use. Who of us knew what the R number was six months ago? And church life is also very different. We still can't easily meet together in person, certainly not as we used to. Now we meet on Zoom or equivalent. 
and many of the usual midweek activities can't happen. Mission and serving look very different these days. These are changing times. And what's our response as church when serving looks very different? When we can't run the community cafe or can't operate the food bank in the way we've always done. When we can't easily visit the lonely or unwell and sit down for a chat over a cup of tea without the fear of transferring the virus. There's the risk that we can become overwhelmed by all that we see. We can be fearful, worried about the now and the future, whatever that future might be. Nicky Gumbel said this back in April, choose faith over fear. The storm is raging, but Jesus is in the boat. He's right where you are. And it's so important to remember that truth. So where do we start in seeking to serve at a time like this? How can we see a city transformed in such challenging times? A good start is to sense what's on God's heart. Scripture clearly tells us that God's heart is for the vulnerable, the weak, the downtrodden, those that are elderly at risk, those that are lonely, those struggling with mental health issues, those facing financial ruin, those in relationships under huge pressure, those going hungry through lack of finance. God's heart breaks for them. We sing that song, I see the King of Glory, I'm sure you know it, with the line, break my heart for what breaks yours. And that's a good place to start when we're wanting to know how to serve. Lord, what breaks your heart at this time? In Bristol, over recent years, as a church community, we sought to reach out to the city across all of the various sectors and seek to contribute to key areas of social need. There's a good sense of, of unity across the churches in the city and a great relationship with the business, charitable and civic centres. We, of course, have a Christian mayor at the moment. It should have been a mayoral election in early May, but that's now been delayed for a year because of the crisis. And when Marvin became mayor over four years ago now, he gathered a number of church leaders together and invited the Holy Spirit into the city, committing himself to serving the city, to build Bristol as a city of hope. As church, we listened and noted what his key priorities were. We invested time and resources in seeking to serve alongside the city over that period. The focus has been on feeding the hungry, caring for vulnerable children, supporting the homeless, helping those in debt, addressing issues of loneliness and isolation, but doing this at a citywide strategic level. I guess in many ways we've been seeking to put into practice that well-known phrase in Jeremiah 29, seeking the welfare. In the NIV, in NIV it says peace and prosperity of the city. Key themes over that time have been prayer and intercession building relationships across the city, working in collaboration and partnership, being salt and light, and building a sense of hope. That collaboration and partnership bit is so key. We're, we're talking unity. Psalm 133 makes a clear linkage between unity and blessing. It says how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. And at the end it says, because that's where God commands a blessing. Unity alongside prayer is key to blessing and transformation. It's central to it. And as we work together as a church community from all denominations and styles of worship, we can together seek to build Bristol 
as a city of hope. And it's in that context over the last two years that a one city plan has emerged. I, I really think there's something prophetic about that. That document sets out the vision of what Bristol might look like in 2050. A civic plan encouraging all sectors of the city to work together for the benefit of all. And on the front cover of that plan, it speaks of Bristol being a city of hope and aspiration where everyone can share in its success. But hang on, things have changed so dramatically in the last two months. In the early weeks of lockdown, we asked Marvin what he saw as the critical needs for the city in the context of COVID-19. Fairly regularly on a Thursday afternoon from April through to early August, we've convened a group of up to 40 church leaders on Zoom to share those key needs and to encourage church to engage and support at a city-wide level. And over that time, three key priorities have emerged. Food supply to support increasing numbers of people who are financially vulnerable and who need support. Over the weeks, we've seen a food strategy uh, for the city emerge. It is hugely well-resourced and resilient for the future. Secondly, the need to find replacement emergency foster carers for up to 85 children with foster carers who are over 65 and who themselves were vulnerable. And thirdly, reaching out to support those that are lonely and isolated. And the response from churches across the city over the last few months has been brilliant. But there's so much more that we can still do by working together to release the huge resource that God has given us as church in the city. You know, if we're learning anything from the current crisis, and I actually think we're learning a lot of profound lessons, to be honest, it's how dependent we are on one another. We're made for relationship, for community. People that never before would have been labelled as, as key workers and now recognised as such. Doctors, nurses, cleaners, carers, bus drivers, checkout assistants, shelf stackers and cooks, they are now the heroes. Many are on low or minimum wages or on zero hours contracts, but we now realise to be totally indispensable for the good operation of our society. In his first letter to the church in Corinth, Paul uses the picture of a body to remind us that God is especially concerned that honour be given to those members of the body we might think less honourable. Let's honour all of those serving in society at the moment, often in desperately difficult situations. Let's honour them and pray for them. Alongside that, a vital need has been to look out for those that are isolated and lonely, perhaps through age, medical condition or just being alone. Mental well-being is under huge pressure at the moment. And there are numerous ways in which we can all serve. And I know that so many from Ebby have been doing that over the months of this crisis, either in your own street or community or in a coordinated way as a church perhaps simply providing a listening ear, looking out for lonely or isolated neighbours, doing food shopping, other errands, going to the pharmacy, dog walking, simply phoning or contacting a WhatsApp, Zoom or some other way of just being in touch. In isolation, all these things might seem very minor, but they can be incredibly important for each and every individual you think of. Mother Teresa said this some years ago, not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. And that's so true, particularly at the moment.
these are tough times. Some of you may have had family members or friends that have been impacted by the virus and some may have died as a result. Remember that quote from Nikki Gumbel that I shared earlier, the storm is raging, but Jesus is in the boat. We're not alone. And as we seek to serve individually or corporately in these very difficult times, we have an opportunity as church in the city to shine. When the world is in its darkest hour, it's time for the church to shine brightest. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this, you are the light of the world. The town built on the hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I've mentioned a number of key pointers to transformation, unity, prayer, honouring all members of the body. Each has a vital role to play. And as we think of these, it takes me to the story of Nehemiah and the way the people came together to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. It's an amazing story. If you're not familiar with it, do take time at some stage to read uh, the book. It's not a particularly long one. Nehemiah started by fasting and praying and seeking God. He developed a strategy. Each section of the wall was built by a different group, each contributing to the whole project. They were working together in unity. There was opposition, but they remained committed to the task. Along the way, they helped the poor and needy. And amazingly, they completed the task in just 52 days. And then they dedicated the rebuilt walls to God. Over the last year or more, God has given me a recurring picture of a jigsaw. At the beginning, the pieces just didn't seem to join together. It was almost as if they weren't part of the whole picture, just single pieces without a sense of overall identity. But over time, each piece seemed to be gradually reshaped so that they started to fit together to create a clearer picture. No one piece was more important than the other. Every piece was needed to complete the picture. And I wonder if this is a prophetic picture of what God's doing in Bristol. Each piece of the jigsaw representing a community. Initially, the pieces seem to be disjointed, misshapen, isolated, with no sense of identity or being part of a bigger picture. But God is at work in each of those communities, shaping, refining, so that they start to fit together to create a complete picture of the city of Bristol, one where each piece, each community, as it were, is vitally important to the overall picture. And no single community is more important than the others. One where each community has a sense of identity in its own right, and also a sense of identity in being part of the overall city, the bigger picture. And I'm excited as I look across the city of ours to see God working in each and every community to one degree or another. This is work in progress. We're not there yet, but the core to the church is to engage with and be part of that process. Whether we're a small, struggling church in Stockwood, Knoll West or Lawrence Weston, or a larger resourcing church in Clifton, Cottam or Redland, all have a part to play that is just as vital and just as important to the process of transformation. We have a moment in time where God is urging us as church across the city to journey with him, to join with him in the work of building Bristol as a city of hope. I don't know about you, I want to be part 
of that process. Let's go for it. Let's not miss out on God's plan of transformation. Let's pray. Be strategic. Play our small part in contributing to the whole overall process. Not be put off by the opposition when it comes. Let's reach out to those in need in every community and seek to do it for his glory and not our own. And as we finish, let me leave you with one last verse, if I may. And I, I'd love to pray it over you, if that's okay. In this challenging and tough time, hope is so very important. And Romans 15, verse 13 says this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me pray that over you once more. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And let's not just be hopeful, but full of hope to overflowing. Bless you all. Many thanks for allowing me to zoom in to your service this morning. And who, who knows, hopefully next time I'll be able to be with you in person. See you soon. And God bless to all of you at Epping. Bye.